G'day listeners, this episode is proudly brought to you by our major sponsor, subshq.com.au. Use code BENS15 at checkout to receive 15% off on your next purchase. G'day listeners, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Matter Mentality podcast where we talk all things training, performance and nutrition to help you optimize your life. So we are joined by a very special guest, in fact, the major sponsor of the podcast, in fact, uh, big Dave Robbie, how are you, mate? Going on, guys. Good to good to be here. So uh, a bit of a bit of background, I guess. So Dave is the major stakeholder, or are you the solo owner of Subs HQ? Solo, solo, solo yeah. owner. So yeah, so key key owner of Subs HQ, which is obviously the major sponsor of this entire chat, which is uh, firstly very much appreciated. We've always appreciated the support, and we we've tried it. to give it back as much as we can. Before we find me talk a little bit of shit about <laughs> as much as I can about subs and why to use them. Um, but kind of like a, a big reason that you know I thought this chat would be exciting and interesting is that there's so much that you do that's like this unique. Like there's there's your realms of business go so far beyond just fitness. Like the we all know treats and co because I fucking shared that about a hundred times. Yeah. So <laughs> I think a lot of people know what treats and go. Yeah. You saw you saw if you, if you followed my post comp uh post comp blog then a uh, vlog there was a big slab of uh, Treats & Co. In, involved in that process. Um, it was a good time. It was a very good time, actually. That was a fucking very good time. That, that fucking, that first, I was like, lucky you guys just introduced like cookie pies after comp. And I, I think thought, that's like, when it just came out, eh? Yeah. It literally, like, I think that's when they started and we got there and I was like, can we add four of those after I already bought like, <laughs> I bought the team like 180 bucks worth of brownie and, don't, and, and cookies. And I was like, can we get some of that pie? <laughs> yeah i think they've been they've been a big hit everyone's been getting around those pretty hard so i think it might have started initially from yourself so thank you <laughs> the look on your the, the look on the young bird's face was working there she's like wait this is all for you and i was like you're just like pulling out boxes of pre-made brown i remember i got a photo sent through my sister sent through a photo being like this is all for your mate and i was like sweet and i remember you then messaging me the same like similar sort of photo and be just putting it all together and there was a lot of stuff there <laughs> well deserved of course well deserved <laughs> i just you know i just had to um had to reward myself exactly right. the team, i took it home and I, I didn't realize at the time when i said like because she's like oh a full brownie's pretty heavy do you want half and i'm like what's half and she's like about 14 pieces i'm like that sounds like a lot because i was gonna get the full brownie and i was like yeah, i'll get a full one and she's like nah do you want a half i'm like yeah plus, plus some cookies and stuff probably a good idea i gave away two two or three boxes to like clients and mates that came with us like we all came back here after the show i gave yeah. away like three boxes i still had two weeks of brownies like oh, oh. dude they're, yeah they're they're very dense like you, you could easily do one of those just normal brownie size i know the ones that you got just the normal ones that are at the shop you could easily yeah. them up over like a two-day period 100 percent. yeah like i it, i had such a blood sugar spike after because we were driving home from so we left this comp and went to uh treating co to pick it up i had a fucking sugar crash and probably like an adrenaline dump as well but I had like a massive sugar crash where I just eat, ate like half the pie. It was so sweet. I couldn't finish it. I was so used to having like chicken, sodium, yeah. mustard, ketchup. Like everything was just so bland and like, like, like bitter or salty. Yeah. And then I was like, took a pie, had like half of this. I was fucked. I was like, I fell asleep in the car driving home and I'm just like, I tanked. It was like, you would, it was, have the, you would have the best week like post that comp eating that every day. That would have been the best thing. Oh, it's fantastic. Yeah. I just, I just allowed myself like, I, I had like a cookie a day or a brownie. That was it. Like, didn't like, wasn't sitting there like an asshole just eating like all 50 of them. I was just like, it was just one a day, different shit, try it out, enjoy it. And yeah, gave nice. boxes away to clients and people that came with and stuff. It was like a thank you. But I was just like, I'll just have like one a day. It was fucking great. The training sessions I have run real. I could imagine, yeah, 100%, for sure, for sure. 
But um, yeah, so I guess like the first point is give us a bit more background as to like, well, I could sit here and just name off the business you got. There's a fucking hundred of them, but I guess a bit of background about, well, A, where your business endeavors started and then how you've branched out to so many different things. Yeah, for sure. Um, I had a soccer background, so I've always been involved in team sport. Um, I sort of, yeah, soccer was sort of chosen when I was about sort of 10. I probably went, tried to excel on that and I, I went pretty well and had a few injuries that sort of changed the shift of where I sort of thought my life was going to go to. Um, I sort of thought the professional route in football and having the team environment and whatnot was going to be sort of where I went. But yep. again, with injuries and stuff, that sort of diverted. Um, so we ended up opening at my mum and dad's place. They had a double garage sort of thing that wasn't being used a whole lot. Um, so I ended up, at the time, I was working as a PT at Jets um, just around here in Calabar. Mm -hmm. And then I moved into mum and dad's place to run the Velocity Fitness and Health out of there. Yep. Um, keeping it still one-on-one, -on -one, uh, then moved into small group. And that's yep. when I sort of reconnected with the whole football team environment thing. Yeah, um, yeah. That just sort of blew up quite well, which was sort of lucky. Um, I think at that time, you know, we're sort of talking at this period, we're talking about 10 years ago now. Yep. Uh, that's when sort of group fitness started to sort of kick off and start yeah. to sort of blow up a little bit. And because I had that team experience from sport, I think I was able to put them two together. Yep. Um, yeah, we opened up the first gym. Um, it sort of just kept succeeding, grew out of that, got to the second and now got into this third one. So I think it all sort of came like the, the velocity fitness and health aspect, the, the what sort of kickstarted all the business stuff mm -hmm. um, came from that group environment. And then as obviously you get bigger as a business, you need to have more staff on board. And then yeah. again, only at the sessions where you're physically taking group environment sort of sessions and whatnot, you replicate that from a staffing point of view. And I've sort of got the best of both worlds. And then it just yeah. sort of yeah blew on from there to open up the, the coffee shop that's attached to the gym here. Um, then we went into the first sub store, which is Power Subs Winham, and the second sub store, Power Subs Indro. So sub store is about to open up in a few weeks now, um, Power Subs Strathpine. Um, and then, yeah, with Treats and Co, as you mentioned. So it's uh, and having the subs HQ on the side of all that as well. So it sort of all just grew from the gym and the group fitness thing. You know, I sort of always been around a lot of people from a team sense. Yep. And then sort of, yeah, blew up from there and, business opportunities arose, having the good support staff and it just sort of all coincided to get to today, sort of, yeah, 10 years on from when it all, all kick-started in mum and dad's garage. So it's cool in that sense <laughs> to look at it that way and that sort of helps. It's, it's sort of, yeah, transition to be where it is now. Hey, it's funny. It's funny how many uh, success stories come from a garage, eh? Oh, the garage, mate. Oh, <laughs> the garage OG foundations. Like... I think I think if you haven't started in a garage, you haven't sort of started <laughs> yeah. correctly. That's, that's the kickstart. If you start in a garage, you're, you're going to start all right. Hey, ours, ours was um, ours was uh, a COVID apartment balcony. So we yeah. lived uh, where I lived three years ago was about ten blocks. Uh, sorry, ten blocks, ten houses down or ten apartment buildings down that way. And my first interview with like the Matter Page when we started it was with a bodybuilder, no powerlifter, powerlifter on the balcony of that apartment, and was yeah, like, right. I was like in the middle of COVID. Shit was like, obviously everything was happening. I'm like, I can't stay at NW for any longer than I have to. It was like, we we sort of started and was like, I, I'm not just going to be an NW guy. Like I started my bachelor's in psychology. I knew that I wanted to work in high performance and like work with elite people wanting to get shit done. And I was like, I, we need to start doing something now and like get it going. And it was, yeah, first first podcast. Like technically not a garage, but 
I mean, I turned that into a balcony gym for COVID. So it was basically a fucking I think, gym. Yeah, I think that follows the same premise. So I think where, you know, you're starting off in that small environment where it's, yeah. it's accessible and, and easy for you to use and it just sort of blows off from there. So that we'll, we'll use that as your garage in the park. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that's my garage. Yeah, not, that's not, quite, not quite Steve Jobs-esque, but it's like, it's pretty close. We'll get there. We'll get there. <laughs> yeah. So did you, did you always see like all these different ventures? Like, like I want to, I want to put my toes in here and I want to dip my fingers in here and I want to do this and that, or is it just kind of, Hey, this looks like a good business idea. Yeah. I think it was just an opportunity. So as I said, you know, and people I assume can put two and two together where, you know, we had the masses at the gym where over the years, you know, we started off with mom, as I said, mom and dad's garage. So it was small, went a little bit bigger to the first premise, bigger again to the second. And now we're at our, our sort of goal size and, and goal, you know, setting an environment and whatnot. Um, so from that, having the masses, you know, you hear things, you meet people, you, I'm, I'm young at this point. I think I started it all when I was yeah, sort of 17, 18. And it's sort of, by the time I'd got to 22, 23, I'd moved into this, um, you know, the, the bigger facilities and sort of meeting bigger people and being involved mm-hmm. in stuff. So thing just pops up, you know, you, you hear of things and you hear of other opportunities and people are saying, Hey, you should look into this. And mm-hmm. especially people who are older, you know, like they, they want to help me. I'm, I'm young at this point. So they want to give me some guidance and advice. Yeah. Um, uh, what the cafe sort of came to be one of my good mates was moving up from Melbourne for I met through football and, and he was coming home. Um, we've always wanted to do something together. Mm-hmm. And I said to him, listen, I'm sort of starting to lose a little bit of touch on the members here at the gym, just because we're starting to get a bit too busy and I can't keep myself either in the sessions or doing the background stuff or whatever it was at the time, yeah. but having the cafe attached to the gym, because it's just the, um, the lease that was about to come up for this place that's next door to us was just perfect spot. Mm-hmm. And I said, why don't we open a cafe there? So then that way I know that my guys are still getting the personal connection and the relationships outside of the physical training here. So, you know, they mm-hmm. do their 45 minute session at 6am mm-hmm. and then they go and have a coffee. So I know there's still that camaraderie and family yeah. environment and whatnot happening external to the gym because it was sort of flowing on so fast in here. I need to have it that they could continue that uh, relationship and fun and bonding and whatnot, just not physically at the gym. Yeah. Um, so that sort of came just from me recognizing that, you know, I needed to have something in place to be able to keep creating the culture and the vibe and the fun and stuff that Velocity is, I guess, known for um, yeah. external to the physical training we do here. So that that's what sort of kicks out the cafe. Um, and then from that, you know, I've sort of, again, I was sort of 20, I think I was 23-ish when that sort of happened, 24. Um, and at that point, I'd sort of started to catch on to business and start to sort of, you know, again, meet cool people and realize opportunities and stuff. And by that time, I met um, the owner of PowerSupps, Blair. Yeah. Um, and we just kicked off, you know, we, we just immediately became good mates. He's a few years older than me, but I think he probably saw me a little bit in himself. And yeah, we, um, yeah sort of just came awesome mates from that. Um, and again, because I had the gym, it coincides with supplements. So I yeah. sort of knowledge and the guys were buying from him and I sort of said, listen, like, what do you reckon about if I do one? You help me and we go from there. And again, he was so happy for it. You know, my first, the, the store Wynnum, um, is, I don't know, probably 12 kilometers away from where the gym is here as opposed to Blair's shop at, at Cleveland, which is probably like six or seven. So he knew himself that he was going to probably lose a little business because we were shopping from him initially. But yeah. it was all, but he, again, the opportunity arose for me through him and he was happy to sort of guide me through that, again, being slightly younger. So it's, it's that sort of stuff where I think I never really had the plan to be like, I want to have my finger in all these things. Yeah, more yeah. Just opportunities were presented. I think, you know, I, I hit it off with the right people and and they sort of saw something good in me as what I sort of saw in them from the vice versa age thing and whatnot. And it's just sort of flowing from there. And, you know, I had the first supplement store, the second one popped up. It's just a good business opportunity. Yeah. Um, the third one's more of like a challenge. Um, yeah. The one at Strathpine, 
again, talking with Blair and working with him, it, it's more just me being like, okay, I've learned so much over the last three years with the Wynnum store. Um, I really want to try and execute everything I've learned to this fresh location uh, mm-hmm. in an area I'm not too familiar with. It's north side of Brisbane. So for me, it's like an hour away sort of thing. Yeah. Um, so I'm not too accustomed with the area. I'm not too accustomed with, you know, a few bits and pieces out there. But the things that I do know, you know, like controlled environment sort of thing and, and knowledge, I want to try and put that into a test of this last this last sort of facility and see what we can do. So I think, yeah, over, over the years, it's not necessarily I wanted to, I, I set out the goal of being like, I, I want to do A, B, C, D, E. Yeah. Um, it's just sort of been something that's just spiraled on. I've, I've got such a good support network from home. Um, you know, friends and family and stuff. The, the the gym, the girls that work for me here are heavily involved in not only what I do here, but also um, the other business opportunities I have. And then mm-hmm. even staff that allow me to be able to step away from the gym a little bit to go and do my other ventures or the guys that are at the sub stores or the cafe or treats and co to allow me to come back to the gym. We all sort of work in really well together. And that's, that's massive for me to be able to achieve what I want to do. And a lot of credit goes to them in the sense that they're happy to, you know, support me in that way as well. End of the day, yes, it's their job. And they understand that, but it's also just that bounce and forth, back and forth sort of environment that I guess we've created over the years to have me be able to continuously chase the, the, I don't know, the fulfillment or the, the business opportunities that arise. So it's very, uh, yeah, I'm very, I'm very lucky in that sense. It's awesome. Yeah. And like, I guess that, that would, it's, it's shows how important it is to have like good values and I guess morals in business. Like, yeah, we were kind of talking about before off camera, but where, where you claim to have values or where you may have values and then as a business, it isn't displayed or shown or like your business ethics don't show it. Obviously having that team environment, wanting to have that connection, wanting to have that like family involvement, wanting to have like a support, a supportive environment in just starting with velocity, like that you can see how that's expanded outwards to the other ventures where you're kind of like creating a team network, a family network. Hey, we're all part of this group here. Like, you know, this 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 part of it's running down a bit. I need some of you guys to go here and look after this. Or can you step up and look after this? I got to go take care of this for a while. Can one of you guys run this? If there was kind of like that separation or like a camp environment where it's like, oh, fuck, you know, we're not anything to do with that. I'm just paid to work here. Then it wouldn't really work. But having that you've got that kind of expanded environment and business values that clearly even started just from velocity, you're able to almost expand that outwards. You can almost like, you know, the rest of your business benefit from that foundational value that you've created at the start yeah 100 and yeah i even think yeah, as much as the staff uh, i could give them all the credit in the world i think it does really come a lot from the members of velocity itself you know mm-hmm. i've still got some guys that are here as i said i think we opened our first facility when i was yeah 18 um so yeah literally 10 years ago um and i've still got i think there's about seven of those members that are still on the books here today so yeah, they've, actually been, they've been involved with the the ride from 10 years ago Mm-hmm. Um, I'm talking about people who are 20, 30, 40 years older than me, mm-hmm. um, the experience and stuff that they've had and able to pass it on to me. So I do think that a lot of the culture that has created velocity and then it's moved into staff and it's moved into more businesses have come from those core members or those who were involved from velocity early, mm-hmm. early days. Um, even those that were at mum and dad's garage are the one-on-one clients I had then, like the amount of stuff that I tried to absorb being so young. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's, I think it is a little bit rare jumping into business that young. You know, as I yeah. said, I only did it because I had those injuries from football. If I hadn't had those, there's no way I would have jumped into it. So yeah. being 17 and being like, all right, well, this isn't where, you know, we put me and my family put so much time and effort into soccer being where I was going to go and mm-hmm. we were so close to reaching it for it to be diverted. That was sort of the only option or not option, but the solution I had to the problem at the time. And I was like, well, let's just see how this goes. And it's just sort of gone off from there. And as I said, I think it comes a lot from who those people were 
at those early days. And I'm very lucky to then have those people here now, but also met some of the people along the way, which have then been either core members of Velocity, which has then been able to find me and help me have core mm-hmm. members of the staffing crew, then core businesses, again, core staff, and just sort of flowing on from that. Um, so yeah, I, I think it has been a, a blessing of, it's not necessarily David doing all these awesome business decisions. It's more so the support and having those people behind yeah. me that either push me or assist me or guide me or, or give me opportunity, <coughs> whatever it might be. I think that's definitely something that because there's so many different businesses, not just one, yeah, that's really like you said, where the staff are so involved and, and the, that going back to the members and people that have been so close to all of it has been a huge, uh, huge testament to the success that's sort of gone on over the top the last 10 years. That's a bit of like, it, it's a, a testament to the community values that you're building as well, right? Like <clears throat> something that we push, like one of our, one of our, so we refer to them like the five elements of success when you work with matter. We've got, you know, uh, training, nutrition, psychology, education, community. Community being that like, no, no one is an island when it comes to success, whether, you know, whether I go pro status with my bodybuilding career, whether matter turns into like the, the, the incorporated business we wanted to with like a seven figure income down the track, whatever it may be, none of those things, though I might be at the head of it is me by myself, right? Like there's no, I can't do that on my own. Having such a community behind you where, you know, they can, they can see the work you're wanting to do. Or they see the work that you put in or the amount you care or the way you give a shit, the way that you're involved especially as like if you own so many different enterprises to be involved at that level and see you trying to put in the work, they're obviously going to appreciate or connect with that or like, you know, show that you, it sees that you give a shit. So they're going to be more inclined to give you that support or encouragement or like, Hey, you know, this business idea started here or like see this financial advisor or go talk to these guys about this next product. Like that incentive then isn't just to look at it as a number. You know, they're not just a, a dollar value that walks through your door. Like, well, yeah. you're part of the, you're part of the brick and mortar here. You're part of the family. And because of that, you know, we treat you like that. And in return, well, they'll treat you the same way. Well, exactly. I think even what we'll talk about before off camera in regards to having, you know, that recognition where you've been involved with something for so long and just having the simple sort of bits and pieces in place where you get respected on, on both levels, you know, it's all mutual and whatnot. The, the amount of mates that I've had, you know, Power Stuff's winner, I started with one of the best mates. So, you know, that, that there, I went to him and said, it, it was awesome. I, I love the story of it being that, you know, me and him were talking all the time and he was saying, like, I hate my job, like, I hate what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And me knowing him personally as well, knowing how better he could have been doing than just that environment at the time, when I spoke to Blair about the store, I knew it was going to be something that he would jump on and he jumped on it straight away. And yeah. the success of power stuff built from that. And I think that's where, as you said, you know, it's not necessarily that in this instance, TJ wasn't just a number. He was just someone who was the perfect fit for it. And I knew that I was so confident in what I had to offer and what he had to offer that we could go into that together and be like, you know what, at the end of the day, you know, he's moved on, but he will always be a key part and will always give me input. I'll always ask him for help. Like it will mm-hmm. always be a mutual respect where it is just so much more than a number. And that, that then replies to, you know, some of the guys at Velocity who I've had coaching me for five or six years now, you know, business mm-hmm. decisions where theoretically it has nothing to do with them because they're, you know, uh, doing other aspects that don't involve them in, the, in that side of Velocity. We still go to them, you know, me and the girls yeah. who do the back end stuff go to them and they're physically on the floor. And we say, listen, it doesn't necessarily have anything to do with the actual programming or the, the day-to-day running of the classes here at the gym. It's to do with this, but we want your input. You know, we yeah, want what do you think? Involved. Exactly right. You know, it, I think that that speaks volumes in the sense that, as you said, no one's just a number. It's not about the dollar value. And I, I'd relate that way more back to the gym as well. Like I'm, I'm such an advocate. Well, I think I'm such an advocate anyway for the sense of it being that the fitness and health industry should be about... Um, people's general well-being physical mm-hmm. and mental you know what i mean the, the dollar values that come yes it's obviously a multi-billion dollar industry and mm-hmm. there's some money in it but 
I think the money should be in the correct ways. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And that's where, and that's where I think you know having those people along those same sort of morals and understanding and me being able to enforce the staff saying, listen, it's not just you guys are here to run a class and fuck off. It's about you guys literally wanting to be here and helping me with these things and helping the yeah. members and them helping you and it all being for those right models. The money comes with it, of course. Um, and that's the luxury of being in a multi-billion dollar company, uh, industry, sorry. Um, but I think, yeah, as, as you said, <clears throat> having having that relationship with your staff and your members and, and having it that it's not just a dollar value that you're there to just do this, make me this, move on to that. But it's not like a triangle. There should be so yeah. many pieces that are all involved. Exactly. And we, we, we could both easily attest to the fact like having both uh, started and founded businesses in and around fitness. When you, when you give a fuck and when you genuinely care anyway, the money tends to arrive. Like when you, when you go seeking money, it's often that you are continually trying to chase something and it's just a donkey and a stick, right? Like the donkey and the carrot. It's just always trying to, trying to be in front of you and you're trying to reach it and get to it. That might be a motivator for a while, but eventually it runs out. Like either your customers notice it, your staff notice it, the, the, the marketing or the presence of the companies that you're in will start to show that it's just about money. When you genuinely give a fuck, and I, I put a story up about this yesterday because you know I've had you know, some of my clients uh, you know running their own businesses, and I try to mentor them where I can with business and coaching in general. Um, and one of the things I noticed is that when you genuinely give a fuck, and like you know we're one to one in how I coach and, and prescribe and things like that, so it's not as group allocated, but just in general, if you're if you're genuinely passionate about what you're doing and you're ecstatic, more ecstatic about someone's success or achievement or result than they are then you don't need to have gimmicky sales tactics or manipulative marketing strategies or sales scripts or calls. Generally, people pick up on the fact that you give a shit and like that, that you genuinely want them to achieve. And that's like, for me, like one of the biggest things we've found in how we sell everyone is I don't need to come on with a call with like this pre-written out script or jump onto a consult with someone and be like, you know, go through the five points of how matter sells you. Yeah. It's literally just like, I know what I can do for you, but I'm more excited that you'll see it and you can get that result and sustain it when we're done. I want you to be able to tell me to fuck off because I don't want your money forever. I don't want you stuck in my system for two years, four years, six years. Unless you want to be a long-term athlete, then generally I want to work with you for a while, but I want you to come and go because you've learned enough to leave. I don't yeah. want your money stuck in my system, just repeating, spinning a wheel. You fall off, come back, fall off, come back. Like I want you to pay me to learn something and achieve something and then be gone. And if you come back, it's because you've got a new goal. And yeah. that for me, I have found is like tenfold any sales script I've ever had or any sales tactic I learned working in sub stores and things like that, where, you know, there was genuinely trying to push sales versus care for the client. My store, and I didn't give a fuck saying this to be honest, but my store was the largest or the, the highest average store per transaction. And I never once used a sales tactic on a client or customer that I didn't think they needed the product they got or didn't benefit from it. Whereas like, you know, I'd find stores or I'd get, I'd get customers come to us like, oh, this other store was selling us like $400 yeah. worth of stuff. And you're like, okay, how, how much of that did you use? Oh, still going off. I'm like, okay, now I've got to build trust back with this client, uh, with this customer. Now I've got to get their investment or interest back in the game. Now I've got to start with like a smaller hanging fruit and build up uh, their excitement to the result. They've got to get a result from that product to buy my trust back. Now I'm selling them one product because this dickhead's oversold them. Yeah. Now they're not interested at all. And the company's losing in general if they actually just gave a shit and said, you know what, these three products at max are what you need, 150 bucks, start with these two, add this one in, come back when that's done. If that's worked, great, we'll look at something else. If that's worked, you don't need anything, stick with that. 
sweet. That customer's going to come back every month and see me because most products last about a month, as we know in SUPS. Yeah, yeah. That cycle's about a month. They're going to come back, see me again and go, oi, those products work. This one didn't. Okay, well, let's get those two again and try this one. Yeah, that yeah. works. Sweet. That, like, that genuine passion and enthusiasm for someone's success beyond the dollar is what brings you the dollar. I think it's just the, the moral compass as well. You know, I think we were talking a little bit about it before um, we started chatting on, on air, but I think I think more so, you know, if we saw more and more, we're talking about big business and, you know, transitioning from small to medium, medium to big and, and whatnot. I think you you generally find, end of the day, the money value is there for some people. You know, when you're in big business, there's money. Yeah. So yeah. it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what's going on in the sense of financials. You know, there's money there. They're a big business. Yeah. I think the next step from that is do they morally or do they genuinely care? You know, yeah. that people who are in it, once they've got that, you know, even even if you can look at the small the small business, the medium business, the big business, wherever you want to look at what scale, it's are they in it for the right reasons? And that's what I was saying before about the fitness and health industry. I, I think, you know, you can put supplements into that for sure, like you just said, where I think if you genuinely care about client, customer, staff, group, whatever it might be, if there is that genuine care and that genuine personal morals to reflect the goodness that you think or, or they think or the, the mutual respect you have i think as you said that's where the money will come and going back to the fact that fitness and health industry is obviously a billion dollar industry the money is there yeah it just needs to be that the correct people are the ones that are getting the money because they're yeah. the ones that genuinely care and whether it's funding or whether it's you know just physical financial coming through the door or whatever it might be mm-hmm. that that's where i see it being that i would love to see the fitness and health industry having it more so I actually had um, coffee yesterday with a good friend and we were saying the governing body for fitness aspects like just isn't there and yeah. the support that we need or the the advice and guidance from an upper level to then pass down so many yeah. dimensions to get to your small gyms that have 20 members, whatever it might be. It's not there. So yeah. it is just a doggy dog sort of world and that's where the morals aren't shown. I think yeah. it would have to be more so that it was based off moral support or, or moral thoughts you'd see a much better industry. The money's there, as we said, we know it's already there. So yeah. it's that, yeah, the, the moral compass of people guiding people for the correct reasons and not thinking, all right, uh, there's this money to be made. How do I make it? It's yeah. there's these issues that need to get addressed. Let's address these issues. As I said yeah. before, physical, mental, whatever it might be from a wellbeing sense. And because we're doing it, because we're doing it for the right reasons, everything else will fall into place. We know it's there, but it's just yeah. going to come in whatever way it needs to come. And we're chasing it this way. Other people will chase it that way. That's fine. But in a roundabout longevity point of view, I think, as you said, doing things for the right reasons in business, in my opinion, is is definitely going to be a long, a much better way to whether you succeed in, in a shorter time frame or a longer time frame. It's the it's the best way to do things. I find, especially in a um, you know, to kind of like tie back to that, especially in a, in a service based business, if you're like, I have this kind of philosophy around like service based sales. And that is that you sell you sell to the customer twice. The first time is the time they agree to like agree to jump on with you and they agree to join your system or your service or whatever it's doing. The second time is every single week they trade they they pay to see you because you're buying back their service every single week. Like yeah. in order for like especially in online like online coaching in such a like international waters kind of space, they can drop on the whim. Like you can sign contracts and say, look, yeah. we prefer a two week notice uh, so that we have time to like offboard you on the system, bring up a, like marketing for someone else. But if someone's a dick, they can just leave. Though we've held our end, there's no regulation to that. So every single week, I am reselling to the same person based on my excitement, my enthusiasm, my adherence, my accountability, my check-in, and that I want them to achieve and get a result. So you know, if if I'm in it for the wrong reasons, eventually that's going to show. 
And that second time that I'm selling, which is every other week after I've sold them, they're going to drop off. And yeah. vice versa at a gym. If you know that you're at a, I know I'm just trying to example here, like you're at an any time, you're at a, a snap, whatever it is. And their ploy is purely just to try and get more numbers in the door. If they're not really invested in you and it's just like simply just churning numbers or churning the base, they're, they're, you're not going to stick around. You're going to see that like the gym isn't being upgraded. There's no incentive. The manager's rarely there. The PTs are never here or never on the floor excited to coach someone. I see them checking their phones when they're coaching. It's a fucking peeve of mine. Like I feel you. If, if that's happening in your gym and you're like, well, okay, you don't give a fuck about your members. You care about the dollar signs and that they signed up. If they've signed up and you're pulling that, they're going to leave anyway. So it's in your best interests to have some moral dignity and put the effort or the ethics into your system that favors the customer or the client because then they will favor you. And yeah. in a market where there are 10 million fucking gyms doing the same thing, the only standout is you have new equipment, which let's be honest, in 2023, it's hammer strength, arsenal or matrix. Yeah. Maybe prime if you're lucky and you got big dollars. Um, in like your conventional layout, the only difference is whether or not your gym gives a fuck about the like the client and the member and what they're doing and if they're succeeding. If you just got like, you know, there's PTs, they go like, I do like 80 sessions a week. Like, cool, but I see you with the same maybe five people. The rest are always different. So that tells me your sales number's high. Your retention is fucking terrible. Yeah, 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 exactly right. Like, what, what, what is that? How are we assessing that? And again, it comes back to what you said. Where is the marketing oversight, sorry, the business oversight or the encouragement or like the standard practice of like, what are we doing as an industry? What are we doing as people to make other people better? You start getting like these online influencers that, you know, I've got 250,000 followers, do my booty program or join my coaching system. And uh, same process to customers that get like sold dog shit subs for the fucking, you know, too much money. Once they get burnt by that coach, I've now got to build back their trust. Yeah. Like we have to put out so much marketing and content because I don't have a 200,000 following like social media platform. It's based on the evidence I put out, the constant like interaction, client results, and the people talk for me. So I constantly have to put out stuff that proves I know what I talk about. I'm not full of shit. And I'm just going to take your money. I want you to succeed in order to counteract the fact that amongst our industry, there's people who just want to churn your dot like your dollar. They just yeah. want you to come through, turnstile through the system. You're in the dream world. You've gone in your ride. You've gone out. And that that's where I see the spiraling of like going back to the mental health aspects of things, you know. I'm quite lucky I haven't suffered too much over the years. You know, I think everyone goes through their own little bits and pieces and I'm, mm -hmm. I'm quite fortunate. I've, I've been very blessed that I haven't sort of gone down that spiral anyway. Um, but I do think that that's where the stem of things is going back to that social media sense. And I've, I've tried to avoid it so much because it did sort of start to work its way into actually getting to me a little bit. Mm -hmm. I think that's where social media comes into things and the influence in the fitness and health industry. And again, just being a money-making scheme where that's where the mental health issue starts to come oh, play. Yeah, yeah. And that's sort of where the issues are, where again, having a governing body potentially could add an element to uh, controlling that aspect. And again, not necessarily avoiding the, uh, ignoring the financial aspects of this now going to the mental health aspect. I just think that, yeah, if, you, if we could look at having those things in play or yeah, limiting the influence of social media or whatever it might be whether it's just things that people see or whether it's people endorsing things or whatever it might be i think that's where yeah if that could get changed from the mental health aspect of things and that spiraling you know as you said building trust and having to work with people when they're at a low bottom and bring them up to being happy or advanced or whatever yeah i think it's that's an issue in itself where i i feel for people who especially are in that one-on-one -on -one game like yourself where you know 
the, the group fitness environment is so much better um, from trying to bring people back into things from a yeah easier sense. But you know what I'm saying? Where it's just, there's people here. So you rock up and you've got 25 people in a class. If you have the correct culture there, you're automatically walking into a great environment. Right? Yeah, everyone's hype. You've got that one-on-one connection and you've got to, theoretically, you're working with someone who has been at a very low standard on that one-on-one engagement. It's very mm-hmm. difficult. It's very difficult. And that comes from, I think it does come from, being going back to the whole model scenario and the social media aspect where if they've got both of those things incorrect whether it's from a business above or whether it's from a social media impact that just is negative you're coming in there trying to fix those things and exactly right you've got to do the whole process all over for someone who if they just avoided it in the first place or it wasn't uh, accessible for them in the first place mm-hmm. that issue wouldn't be there you know what i'm saying yeah and going, going to mental health it's just that would be such a good thing for for everyone's well-being from that sense it's just it's, it's a shame and that's where the governing body just isn't there it's why it's why like it's contrary like it surprises a lot of people but i actually don't push bodybuilding on so many people because like you'll see like the social medias and stuff bodybuilding's become like this weird sort of knack on knack it's become like a an intrigue or interest at the moment like a like a like a, a popular yeah, trend definitely some it's trending a bit more it's it's sort of taken off and it's great don't get me wrong because like you know feeding the amateur ranks feeds to better conditions and better environments and competitive like systems but provided that you're doing it for the right reasons. Now, when you've got a, a coaching system where, uh, you know, you just take numbers and all your marketing is like, yep, I get people mad results and bodybuilders and blah, blah, blah. You've got, I don't know, you brag about how many clients you've got, let's say like you're a social media influencer with your fucking coaching system. And you want to have, I don't know, 20,000, 30,000, 40,000 followers. How personal can you really be with your clients that when they slip up or they have a bad week or mentally they're challenged or, you know, they couldn't stick to that exact diet you gave instead of talk, teaching them about nutritional literacy and teaching about the fundamentals of life and behavior change and sustainability. Instead of teaching those things, this person's gone, you know what? All my girlfriends have done it. I think I want to do a comp. And then you're like, well, that coach, like they want the dollars. Yeah, cool. Let's do a comp. I can definitely coach through a comp. Okay, well, what about after? What about during? How's their relationship? How's their life? How's their system? How's their mental health? to actually handle competing. Like it's probably one of the most intense things I've ever done. And I've literally, I've played at probably the, uh, a pretty decent semi-professional level of rugby league. Like I've run out on Suncorp and won grand finals there. Like it's, that pressure alone was nothing compared to the six months of prepping for one show where five minutes decided the next year of your life. Yeah. Like it's, it's intense and exciting provided you do it for the right reasons because I fucking love it. But the amount of people where, they just get a hold of a coach because their girlfriend's friend's sister was like, yeah, you look fucking great. You've done six months of training. You should do a show, but neglected the relationship. They've just lost their stress at work. You know, their fucking sleeps all over the shop, mentally just not in a good position to handle the internal self-criticism that comes from competing. And then they jump on a stage. Like there needs to be a lot more resistance to like, Oh, that's my first point of contact. I need to go from nothing to preps or like nothing to bodybuilding. Like it's just so extremely different when most of the time this person probably just wants to do a photo shoot or look good naked or improve their lingerie outfit for their partner or the dude just wants to look better in underwear and in a budgie smuggle or something like that that's that's probably what they want but greg or darren or susan next to him was like oh you should do a comp you look great in our gym you're the one that's like you look the best and it's like that that stealing of money like essentially you're just, you're flogging money to ruin someone's life. Like there needs to be like, I'm one of the only coaches I know that does a, Q, a, a site Q10 assessment for every onboarding client. And that's just, that's a basic, uh, sorry, not site Q10, K10. 
the K10 assessment is just a mental 10 question assessment questionnaire that will basically just tick off a few things that, you know, gives me a general sense of how do they talk about themselves, how do they view themselves, how do they mentally sound, what's their relationship with food like. Go through that. If I see like more yeses and nos, all right, hold up, what's going on? Before we do any prep work, this has to be figured out or outsourced to a psych. Then you come back and we talk about it. So far, luckily, I've not had that with anyone. Got through a few things and we have to overcome a few issues before we're starting preps. But there's like that to me is at least a bare minimum screening process to know that if I'm taking your money, it's because I actually want you to do well at this. I'm not going to fuck you up. Now, that sounds more like a plug for me to say, hey, sign my business. It's not. It's just that there is that lack of care and morality in this game that just because someone's come to you and says, hey, you know what? I want to do a prep. Well, ask them questions first. Do they actually need to prep? Do they want to prep? Should they do bodybuilding? Because at the end of the day, you might take that, I don't know, $2,000 for a prep, whatever it is, but you just fuck their life up. And then bodybuilding ends up taking the blame and we have to defend it as coaches and be like, look, that was that person, not the system or not the game or not the sport. But, you know, because it's all so entwined, like you said, everyone just ends up then being beaten down, broken down, ruined. I've got to like, they get sent to me to help with their mental health as well as their physical health. And then we've got to work their way back up to enjoying hardcore training again. It just ends up creating a whole fucking spiral. Most of the time it's like, I don't do it. I think it comes with, uh, again, I was the guys who I caught up with yesterday that the boys I catch up with, it, you know, I try and see them once a month. We just talk, you know, sort of shop and fitness and whatnot. Um, one of them used to work for a PT schooling sort of business. Yeah. Um, and mate, even going what you just said then, the fact that we, when I did my PT course, so I've only got my three and four in fitness, yep. but I did those through school. Yeah. me a year for year 11 and a year mm -hmm. for year 12 to get my three and four. So when I finished those, I was able to go out. That's when I sort of started all this stuff around football and whatnot. Um, so that's two years to get the two qualifications needed to be a personal trainer, group fitness coach, whatever you want to look at it yep. as. Now you've got people flicking it in six weeks. Yeah. And you've got these people who are flicking it in six weeks, then with the responsibility of the client, yeah. how are they meant to have the knowledge and understanding of how mm -hmm. to do with the vast variety of people who come in? Because, you know, being in the fitness and health industry uh, from an uh, um, athlete point of view, so ignoring the supplements aspect and the mental health aspects for now, but how are you meant to physically look after someone mm -hmm. when you've been in the industry for six, well, not even in the industry, but having the um, research and the studies of six weeks Yep. Someone rocks up to you, obese or uh, from a physical aspect or um, undernourished or whatever it might be, or you're looking at a mental aspect and they've got A, B, C, D going on. Mm -hmm. This person turning up with six weeks worth of knowledge, how yep. are they to address this correctly? The only thing that's going to happen from that is it be negative. Yep. And then we're now looking at it from that sense of, as you said, all these people are now in a bad state and the ones who have the experience the knowledge the correct studies the abcds to fix these people are getting bombarded with all this shit all yeah. because it's come from back from that money scheme where oh let's flick through 20 people every six weeks at a thousand dollars two thousand dollars whatever it is let's just keep rolling on those putting mm -hmm. them into gyms and you go fix it like oh it's all right we'll talk to you never again but yeah. good luck with everything i've just got two thousand dollars that that's where it starts from and that's what i'm saying with the industry where I think there's just so many people now going into the realm of, oh yeah, I want to be a PT. I'm going to go do a course. It's going to cost me yep. $2,000, $5,000, whatever it ends up being, which is significantly more than what it was, again, when I did mine. Yeah. But it took them, what, six weeks compared to what would be 100 weeks. Yep. Uh, there's no way they're going to have the same knowledge or understanding mm -hmm. of things the same as I am. So if we were to both get put in after me having 100 weeks of training and then having six weeks, 
and we get put into the same scenario, if there were more people who had the knowledge and study being given the amount of clients that these people with six were, it, it's just never going to be the same standard. And yeah. that's where we see that drop and people starting to get incorrect results, incorrect coaching, incorrect mm -hmm. mentoring, whatever it might be. So it's just rapidly declining, but it's all good because there's more money being made and you know the big losses yeah. are more yeah. money. And that, that's just, it goes back to, you can apply that model to anything and that's where it goes to your staff being in it for the correct reasons. Yeah. Uh, you as a, as a business owner or being involved in business for the correct reasons because all those those there are easily manageable we've seen it happen in, in this direct instance we've seen it happen to myself where i did the exact same thing as what this person's done in six yep. weeks yes it took me two years but because of the industry we're involved in you yeah. need that two years worth of buffer to understand what's going on correctly and yeah okay they haven't made the same amount of money but in a roundabout way you've done it for the correct reasons yeah. So it should just be a win and win from, from all sides going back to how it was because the industry is where it is now. There's social media influences, there's more money yep. to be made, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's just seeing some that of, rapid deep. Some of the scariest shit that I've heard is oh, you don't need a certification if you're online. Like shit like that, where, you know, just general, and I'm, I'm not even talking about like nutrition certifications or like, you know, a dietetics degree or like a background in exercise physiology. Literally just people saying and claiming because I have a following, I've competed before and people have asked me for programs or whatever, that they start coaching. And realistically, it's just a repeat of knowledge I've learned from another coach, from another coach, from another coach, because yeah. none of them have actually taken the time to learn anything. They will end up just going, oh, I, enough verbatim heard. I don't need a certification. I'm just online. What do you fucking mean? Like, <laughs> like what do you... The, the, the yeah. problem, like immediately the thing that gets me, right, is like we look at, and and again, this can be applied to any business, but just for, from fitness, if, you, if you've like, you're very similar to myself. I started playing rugby league when I was five years old. That was like, that was my trajectory. That was what I was going to do. Life was set that I'm going to do this. If I don't go pro with this, I learned to coach it and I go good at coaching and I do something else after that. Like everything was about rugby league. 21, I had a car accident, fucked my back, like got diagnosed chronic disability. Basically, we're just like, right, see you later. That can't happen ever again. Cool. What's my next thing? Got back into coaching, got back into training, um, and you know, ended up down this route. Because of that, most of my life, I know how to train. I know how to train pretty hard. I know to do how to do fitness. I know how to do like cardiovascular work. I know how to do like hypertrophy, powerlifting, some power movements, cleans, things like that. I've studied all this stuff. Now, my life has allowed me to do that. So I have a pretty good understanding. If I've got a if I'm a, just a gen pop coach and if I've got a Greg coming to me, that's a single dad with two kids work six days a week, 12 hours a day. The, like the average shitty coach that hasn't done any sort of work on lifestyle management or lifestyle sciences or, you know, behavior modification just goes, you know what? Here's a six day program. Be at the gym every day or you shit. Like you don't want this bad enough. You don't want this. Like you're not hardcore enough. The amount of people that I've got a result on a three day program and just changing some behaviors trumps anyone that I gave a six day program to. But you come out of it with this idea that because for me, it's a piece of piss and I love doing this and my life is involved around training, that your life should be entirely training too. And don't get me wrong. There are times where you know, someone comes to me for a prep and they're like, oh, you know, my girlfriend's wanted to go for a drink. So I went out. I will say you didn't want it bad enough. That's fucking stupid. If we're six months out from comp and you've got all this going on and you just flat out just said, you know what? I sent it and ate a bunch of food and wearing a cut or something like that. I'd be like, cool. Let's revisit those goals because that doesn't make sense. Yeah. But if you're just a general client wanting to come out of the, you know, into the system, want to start learning and you go to these like six week coaches or these four week courses, or, you know, I've done my cert three and four in this many weeks. 
the fuck are they going to teach you to sustainably enhance or improve your lifestyle just to be a better dad? Like, not it doesn't have to entirely be that you've got to have a body composition goal or a physique goal or, you know, I want to pull a 300 dead. Maybe you just want to be able to pull your kids off the ground when you're 75 without having to have a sore back right. or your heart rate not be over fucking 2000 because you're being obese your entire life. Like there's other metrics to, to coaching and it's why it's so I, I, we found it so important when it came to what we wanted to do. Like don't be wrong. I really endeavor to want to be a high performance coach. Like I want to work with elite people because that's the type of thing that I get fulfillment from seeing like the realm of success I could never get due to injuries and just probably just my talent ceiling. I want to be able to help people achieve their next level of talent and ability because it's something that I get fucking excited about. But when people come to me for like gen pop, general adherence, general coaching, I scale that back tenfold. Like, all right, let's start with some veggies and some fucking steps. Let's start with getting more sleep. Let's start with like checking your mental health. Like how are you feeling anxiously around having some chocolate, having a beer, having a drink with friends? Like, what are you most worried about? That sort of shit. I wish I knew when I was 21 and I started coaching. Yeah, oh, 100%. 100%. I think it also, something just from what you've said there, I think something that we talk a lot about here at the gym where because with our classes and how our gym runs and whatnot, we have a few different programs that run through and we're very mm-hmm. fortunate that our coaches here are very good at their distinct class yeah. program. So for example, like we've got three or four very good CrossFit athletes that run our barbell and our fundamentals. Yeah. Some very good, um, like uh, endurance athletes that are very good at our get fit programs. We've got our very good hybrid athletes that are good at our get conditioned. So we sort of have our coaches and athletes sort of forming into little programs at the gym. Mm-hmm. And something that we've worked on, evidently, probably since I sort of started noticing the issues we're talking about here with the six week, just people fucking getting certain papers like that, no worries, is staying in your lane. Yeah. Something that we work, we try and work on very well here, where you know we might be taking a class or a session and we've got majority of those who are very well adapted to that session and you've got your one or two who are either expert or beginner in that, mm-hmm. in that domain and that's where you know we will give whatever coaching it's our sort of general rule here at the gym is we will give whatever coaching we can give based on our expertise yep. and as soon as it falls away from that we call it a different coach so for example myself and Corey, who's one of our um you know more i guess senior advanced coaches here and he's been here for four or five years now with me um is I will help people wherever I can. I'm on the floor a little bit more than he is. I'm around the gym a little bit more. He's got a he's a physio, so he's mm-hmm. here um, just on a smaller coaching capacity. And I will say to the guys, and I'm seeing him on the floor, I'll help you to where I can get you to. And as soon as they ask questions or their ability is getting beyond what I can give them, pass mm-hmm. them on to Corey. Yep. And vice versa, we have our sort of stages where you know one of the new coaches, they're not going to be anywhere near as experienced as what myself and then Corey and Everson, the guys who are either more experienced or older, are going to be. So mm-hmm. they get them to where they can based on their experience and their knowledge and their understandings. And then it comes to myself and then it goes to Everson and it comes back to me and then we go to Laura and it bounces around in those ways where I think it's so important. And that's not just in the group environment setting here at Velocity, but it's when it goes to injuries. It's direct, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, of course, PTs understand stretches and we understand like how to look after yourself, but us physically like diagnosing or executing the more advanced things, pass them on to the correct you know, yep. areas mental health pass on to that nutrition pass on to that again we get a broad spectrum of all this but really in these senses where if you've got people who genuinely want to take a good care we can't be doing the sense of it being oh yeah come see me like i'll help you oh yeah come see me i'll help because we don't know enough in those things our job theoretically group fitness and what we have here at velocity is where you want people coming in having fun looking after themselves and doing it for the right reasons 
Mm-hmm. Anything further than that, we will help you to get to wherever we can in our little our little sphere here. But if we need to pass you on, we're going to have to pass you on because we're not qualified enough. Yeah. And I think if people went through those realms again, like what we were saying with the six-week courses and having people for different reasons and having your people for yourself who you know just want to get in and understand things a little bit better or start very basic, all the way up to you guys who are stepping on stage and winning big mm-hmm. shows, you've got a massive spectrum there. Yeah, 100%. You have to be able to change your coaching or seek the correct uh, sort of yeah. industry experts to have the results achieved. And that's where I think, again, by doing these courses for six weeks, you don't get that knowledge. You don't understand. You just think, fuck yeah, I've got my cert three and four. We touched on nutrition. We touched on physio aspects. We touched on uh, yeah, psychology aspects, whatever it is. I'm sweet for all courses. Yeah. But it's just not, it's not that way. And that's where, yeah, I think, as you said, like having it where you need to be able to tone things back or outsource the correct ways that's the correct stuff to be doing in the industry to make sure that people are getting the best coaching, the best results, the best, whatever it might be that they're individually searching for. I'm sad like that. I, I've probably learned more once I, I actually, I probably I've hundred percent learned more after leaving my certs than anything that I learned in there. Like don't yeah. get me wrong. Like, like AIF was great for fundamentals. Like they, they run a very good course there for fundamentals, but like the stuff that I use now to help people in conjunction with, behavior change, modification, psychology, performance, training, nutrition, like all of that came from application experience, knowledge, study, further development, upskilling, doing extra, extra credentials. Yeah. Like I took it upon myself. This is not enough. I'm, I'm getting too much resistance from clients. I'm getting too much change from clients. No one's like filling in their data or people aren't doing this, or I'm not getting information. or I'm not getting the right spreadsheets or you know, I'm not getting the right feedback or, you know, I'm setting too high an expectation. How do I come back? All of that came from me studying or upskilling outside of anything I did in Cert 3 and 4. None of that is taught at a, at a Cert 3, 4 level. Yeah. For good reason, because it is a starting point, right? It's like, a this gives you the basics. And when it comes to, like, when it comes to business, people seem to have this weird idea that uh, admitting your scope or admitting your niche, and then once it's outside of that, referring on is somehow bad. Oh, like, it's, it's like, it's a weird, it's a weird, like, like, it's like you're being emasculated or like you're being challenged. Yeah, it's, like, it's like people are sort of thinking, oh, you don't know? Like, why do you not know that? Well, yeah. I don't know that because I want, I need you to be able to get the best possible outcome from this. It's not that I, yeah. it's not that I don't know it, but I don't know it, correct. But it's that you need to see someone who's completely qualified in this to yeah. help you get exactly what you need. I'll yeah. give you my 2%, but 2% isn't going to be good enough for what you yeah. need. So I you, fully- know, you, don't assume, you don't assume that a chippy knows how to run plumbing. He, exactly. might, he might be a Renault weekend warrior, but the likelihood is for you to get that signed off when you've rebuilt your house and you want to make sure that plumbing connects to the fucking street sewage properly is that you get a plumber exactly. and you get a chippy. Exactly. Right. Same exactly. thing. You then got a fucking Sparky to run the wiring. You're not going to get that plumber to be like, hey, bro, whilst you're in the walls here, can you also run this fucking copper this way? Like, you're not going to do that. He's going to say, hey, order of fucking procedure. I need the Sparky to run the wires before I run the taps so that, you know, nothing gets fucking leaked on or whatever, or, you know, I run the taps before the Sparky does his shit, all these things. Like you're, you're doing that with expectation that obviously each one of those specialties knows their specialty. But then when it comes here, it's like, well, you know, I can just be a master of all trades. I'll cover everything because I did cert three and four. And that's going to lead to again, well, I can just get on the online space and claim that I know. And I can just like, you know, in this international waters of like, or international, uh, what do you call like out in the ocean kind of shit where less ruling or legislation applies. I'll just say what I want or claim what I want. And, you know, my service gets X result. I've literally got a cert three and four and I'm going to fucking coach you to a stage and, and tell you like, you're good to go. 
And don't get me wrong, there is very few like uh, uh, like prep courses. A lot of prepping people takes understanding in what we call like our our uh, triangulated model of coaching, which is training, nutrition, psychology. Like to to get someone on stage, no one of those three things is more important than the other. Training the physique takes just as much effort. The nutrition takes just as much effort, but understanding their head takes even more effort. Yeah. And it comes to the point of a stage where everyone's completely depleted, self-doubt, looking at everyone else's Instagram, fucking looking what's going on. These people look better than me. Their photos are edited and I look like shit, blah, blah, blah. That shit takes effort. There's no course teaching that. In fact, it's something we're trying to put into a course, not as a credential, but just as like a, a general upskill, like learn what I've done in 10 years in like six months. Like I want to try and make it a six month course because we saw that this stuff doesn't exist. Like there's no way to kind of guide that and yeah. say, you know, this is what you can expect from the head when all this is happening. This is how you can tweak it or change it because there is no, there's no, that level of coaching doesn't exist in your PT courses. But then when we get to it, you've got people who do that and then go, I can do a prep. I can coach people. Yeah, I can take you to stage. Like, well, fucking, can you? Like, what? Yeah, you can't really. Like, yeah. yeah, even if you're like, you know, you're like CrossFitting or something like that. Like, can you really put someone through a CrossFit program because you've done your basic cert? Can you really coach a rugby league team because you've done your, your PT level like three? No, it probably requires you to go get your ASCA level one. Yeah. Even when I did my ASCA level one, it was like, all right, we've got a pretty good grasp here of like conditioning like athletes. But at the same time, to really work with professional teams, you need like level two. Yeah. Okay, cool. So there's scales even in that realm where you know things matter and the morals of your business and ethics are in place to make sure that you're actually supposed to do what you're saying you can do. Yeah. For some reason, like in this game, man, like, and this is the funny part, to tie it even back to, to, to finance or like morality of money and business, when you when you take the time to do that, you can charge more, you can expect more, you can you can set a higher standard, which will in turn, and if you do it for the right reasons, result in you making the money you're trying to scam people out of anyway. That's exactly where I think, you know, having those governing bodies there, it just does, it helps so much. And I'm not saying that six-week courses are, well, personally, I don't agree with six-week courses, but mm -hmm. I also, on the other side of that, see experience. So if you need to get your six-week course done just to get the piece of paper, so you legally can get your insurances and all that sort of jazz, which is exactly what we have to do for our, you know, in our industry, mm -hmm. where I, I understand that aspect. What I totally struggle with and should have maybe touched base on further more before is that experience is so much more key values and what you just said yeah. everything that you learned during your cert three and four it, it's awesome it's a great foundation but you need to understand that that is a foundation so you should only be working with those beginner sort of people mm -hmm. as your time goes on as your experiences go on as your pd goes on as all these things go on and you're three years 10 years 25 years into things that's when you start to grow with things where you can pull on experiences mm -hmm. and Going back to what I said at the very, very start of this whole the whole podcast and, and talking together is that, I guess for me personally, when I started Velocity based off what I knew in the gym and fitness and health world, everything else came from experiences and opportunities yep. and time and age and, and everything else that came with it. Advice from people who had already done it, advice from people who were older, mm -hmm. um, from people who knew more about it than I did. That's how everything sort of flew on. And I think that's more so where you know, talking about scalability and whatnot is not going from here to here like that. Yeah. It's taking those ladder steps to yep. get to where you want to be or where you need to be or where people want you to be, whatever it is, but doing the correct ways to get there. And again, the correct ways, going to models and whatnot. But I think it all ties into itself so well where 
potentially the, the whole outcome of this is just for people to just slow down and just realize that it doesn't need to be that you go from here to here like that overnight. Mm-hmm. You can still get there. It just takes time. And yeah. I, I had this conversation as, you know, I'm working closely with, I'm a good friend of mine in her programming and trying to get her as a better athlete from a CrossFit point of view. She wants to do a lot of comps and she has great foundations and great supports. And I keep just emphasizing to her, I just say, listen, like I know you want to be as good as the others here at the gym. You just haven't been doing it for a long enough. Yeah. And in five years time, you will be unreal. You yeah. just need to understand it's going to take five years. Yeah. And that just applies to so many more things. And I think that's where, again, you're in it for the right reason. In this instance, I'd like to think I'm doing the correct thing by her. In yeah. other instances, I see people do it completely incorrect because they would address that situation and say, yeah, why the fuck aren't you doing this? Like, you just do it. Like, what's going on? Because they don't know how to address it yeah. correctly. They don't know what needs to be put in place for this goal to be achieved of yeah. being better at CrossFit, hitting more comps, whatever it might be in, in, in this scenario I'm talking about. They don't know because they haven't had that experience or they haven't done it themselves or they haven't got the resources yeah. to draw upon to be like, yeah, listen, you know, like you, you're really good right now and I can help you stay at this level. But if we want to get you better or if you want to get better, you have to outsource to this. You have to do this. You have to look at this. Like having those resources and understandings is, is what this ladder is all about. And that can be applied to, I think, to everything. That can be like that. That needs to be applied to everything. Like one of the one of the the biggest aspects that I drill home that I think is so beneficial and crucial about bodybuilding is it literally evokes in you the understanding of delay gratification. You physically can't do anything but delay the gratification of what you're doing, and realize that if you genuinely want to go far in it, it is sheer, not a sheer numbers game, but it's a time in the game game. Like yeah. you physically can't grow more muscle than a person who's been doing it 20 years longer than you at the same intensity. Like if you're, if you're matching someone, you know, if they're matching you with effort and intensity, they've just got 10 years on you. You can't be disheartened about that or pissed off that you're not where they are or like angry about it or like, Oh, why not pro yet? Realistically, like I've, I've had to take this step back many times when I really wanted to train for like competing, I was natural. And I was like doing like thinking about doing natty feds and stuff like that. I was coming out of uh, rugby league. So everything was about rugby league. Everything's about power, strength, being a stronger halfback, being a better halfback, all that sort of shit. Had my car accident, went through court, spinal rehab, rehabilitation, um, like uh, procedures and surgeries until I was like 25. I'm only just turned 30 now. So in the space of four years, I went from from that to now being a, well, not ranked amateur, a, a placed amateur in the Australian circuit of the IFPB. Like that to me, I'm like, I, I had to catch myself and say like, you know, yeah, I'm pissed off that I haven't got the leg size yet or the mass or the maturity. But at a certain point in time, I've also got to realize that I've done this for four years. And in that time, there was two comps that were canceled due to COVID. So realistically, I've had two cracks at this and went from last place to winning a gold medal at the yeah. amateur level. Like, but it was the four years of consistent work when everyone was not wanting to do it, not wanting to be, you know, at home bored and eating chips and cookies and oh well i'll start back up when code finishes we went and found the fundamentals we can have on the balcony to make sure there's equipment there make sure that we're starting the business out make sure that we have plans in place so i could still train and do the bare minimum like what can i do to stimulate growth or maintain muscle tissue or not just get fat okay we did that then the gyms opened up okay let's go back into it let's get into it ease back into our programming okay if, if that level of intensity is there and that level of consistency and effort for the next 10 years and i've said this about everything to do with business sales education, study, whatever it is, as long as I'm willing to not quit and do this longer than anyone else is willing to before they give up, I don't have a choice but to succeed. Yeah, you'll be sweet, for sure. It doesn't matter what that is. doesn't matter how it's mapped out. doesn't matter if it's whether you want to be a fucking nurse, 
uh, firefighter, whether you want to start your own business as a fucking multi-million dollar company, you've got some fucking invention you're creating, a fucking health or physique goal, just generally being less fat or unhealthy, whatever it is, the the fact is it's just a, t- a time in the game aspect you got to consider. And I, yeah, I think I think also just to cut you off quickly. I think also for that sense as well, it doesn't need to be that you're the best ever of all time doing no. those things. It's you reaching your own best. Yes. You know I mean? It doesn't need to be that. Of course, everyone compares themselves to everyone else, and that's great. You know, you need to have a comparison point of view in, in some instances and occasionally throughout your life to to you know yeah. gauge growth. But I think as you're saying, like for you, it's been awesome. You've done great. You've you know got a gold medal and all these sort of things. But potentially, and I'm not saying this is the case in any way, but that might be your level. You might reach might you might reach the best of the best. And that is awesome. And for everyone individually, they need to realize that that is their best ever. Yeah. And I think it also comes back to I was going to touch base on before. Gratitude, just understand that like you can do some things. In your instance, like you just said, you know, you had a car crash. There's absolutely no reason for you that you couldn't have had that that in, that injury could have resulted in you not be able to walk. Not, not yeah. be here today, you know what I mean? Yep. So the fact that you can physically, for from when you went from 21 to 25 and now from 25 to 30, for you physically to be able to do the things you're doing now, when things aren't going well or when you're not thinking like, fuck, like am I at my capacity or why is things not happening as fast or as well as I want to be? If people could just draw back on the sense that, man, like I have, it, especially, you know, you and I and probably the majority of people that are watching this, where if they really sat down and go like, yeah, okay, it sucks that I'm not hitting this clean and jerk or I'm looking this way or achieving this, whatever it is, even disregarding the timeliness of it. It's just the fact that they have the ability to be able to do it or have the mm-hmm. resources to be able to access those things. Like, yeah. I think that's where if people went with that mindset to things. And again, like uh, the, the person I'm working very closely with at the moment, she is starting to grasp this concept. She's, she's very good in the way of it understanding, you know, she's had a lot of life experiences herself in understanding gratitude mm-hmm. uh, from her personal encounters and whatnot. But I think it's sometimes a constant reminder I give her, I just say, listen, like you're doing really well. And let's also remember that the fact that you can do this is fucking sick. Yeah. Yes, we're looking at a timely, I'm I'm talking about timely things that's going to take ages. But even if we disregard that, end of the day, you can do this. You're physically able and mentally able to do this right now. There's a lot of people that can't and they wish they could. So let's strip things back and really look at that and build on the foundations that are going to get you to where you want to be. And you'll get there going back to what I said. Your level might be here, but you will get there. Yep. It might be where you want to be in the sense of the best ever, but you're going to hit your maximum capacity. That's going to be unreal. It's going to be the best feeling ever because yep. you've given it this process. You've realized that you've done well. You've got the accessibility. You're lucky and you're fortunate. And you should be grateful for where you are. Everything's going to be really, really good. Yeah. And, and like, I, I take that exact premise in the sense that if I know... Like, you know, I knew with rugby league, I was never going to make the NRL. I was going to work my fucking ass off because to me, the thing to consider is if I know that my ceiling is 75%, if I only, if I don't give my max to that because I know, oh, well, I'm never going to be great. So, you know, that sucks. Like, why bother? Well, then I'm never going to achieve anything and I'm never going to get anywhere. If I know that my my like talent ceiling or my, my, my genetic pool from a muscularity sense is 75% of what's required to go pro, I am going to give everything I have of that 75%. Otherwise, then we look at that and say, well, what if I only give 50% of that? Well, then it's 35%. Like those numbers start to add up. Like most of the time before people even have the the problem of genetics or talent or skill being the limiting factor, it's their work ethic and their desire to just enjoy it and think about it and put it in practice. Like if you're willing to, like I said, you know, repeat the same thing and just look at that time game and go, you know what? 
I get to do this for five, 10 years, 20 years. Like there's master's bodybuilding now. I can do this. Like, sure, I started at 25. I'm like, if I love this at, at 50, I'm still fucking doing it. Like I've genuinely found something I love to do and it allows me to help other people do something cool as well. I might not be the pro, but fuck me if I'm not going to push other people to be their pro best. And yeah. like the clients we're building already have pro potential in the way I see them. So I'm like, well, if my motivation around the injuries I had and the problems I had led me to getting access to people that I can push that way to be their best and improve their life. It's almost a moral responsibility from me as a business to give my best because it's going to make other people see that they can do it too. But if I'm just sitting there pity party, oh, you know, I, I'll never be pro. So life sucks. Well, then life is going to suck. But yeah, when we look at that sort of, like I said, gratitude and ability and time, I can look at it and go, the exchange of what I want now versus where I'm going to be and what I want to achieve and the amount of work I want to put into it, I would much rather look back on my life across all the different ventures of business, the different periods of time and know that once this clicked in my head, everything I gave towards something I was trying to achieve was given. And if I didn't get it, then it wasn't for me. And that's totally okay. But I'm going to retire or finish off or come to the end and I'm laying in that bed and go, I fucking left everything on the pitch. And it's, you know, I, I think it's genuinely something that can be taken away from sport as much as people these days try and rip on like the toxic, toxic culture of playing sport in competitive environments. The, the, the concept of like knowing when you walk off a rugby league field or, or a, soccer, uh, a soccer oval, if you know you came off that field with nothing left in the tank and everything was given, whether you lost or not, you walk off pretty fucking happy, like satisfied. Like that was a fucking fun game. That was a hard game. It was grueling. Fucking pissing down rain. Shoulders are being thrown everywhere. Fucking yeah. broken jaws. Everyone's got concussions. Everyone's throwing shit. There's cool tries, sliding tries, whatever. Like you can walk out that field and go, that was a fucking fun game, regardless of whether or not we lost. Cause I know that every single player here gave 150% worse versus that game where you come off and like, fuck, we gave nothing. That was a shit game. Even if we won, that was a crap game. Like yeah. that to me is the same premise when I get to the end. When I get to that last day and I'm fucking struggling to breathe and I'm like, that's it, I'm going. I'm going to look back and go, there is nothing left that I had, even if it was 75% or like my business didn't reach eight figures when I really wanted to be the fucking next Warren Buffett. If I got it to fucking half of that, which is still like a seven figure business, I know that I gave everything in my tank to make that happen. So how can I be unsatisfied with that? There was nothing left to give that would have made that better. I think, yeah, like I always draw on life. Life's all about the mindset. So, you know, where, where you sit and where you have your head space is where everything's going to sort of fold out to uh, the whole glass is half full, half empty uh, analogy where mm -hmm. you can look at things in the correct way and you approach things at 100% and always have a positive view and, and looking at it where I've gone and tackled today as well as I can. I've done this for as long as I can, as well as I can. And mm -hmm. you're going to appreciate all the little mini results or when you look back on yourself 10 years or you look back on yourself a year ago and you go, Fuck, I'm so much more advanced. And that's because yeah. you've given the effort and time into it. You've looked at yeah. things where it could have been so easy for you to be like, you know what, fuck this. Or you know what, it's not happening. I don't care. I don't want to do it anymore, whatever. Or mm -hmm. it's really not fair or whatever. And like the glass half empty aspect uh, where you could be looking at it as, you know what, my, my glass is half full. I'm doing yep. so well. I've done so well. I'm going to keep doing so well because everything that I'm doing is from the right reasons and for the right ways. And I know that in a timely aspect, it's going to be beneficial for everyone and, and for myself and everyone's going to be super stoked. I'm going to be super stoked. And I'm going to look back and be like, yeah, I've done, I've done really well here. And I think that, I think that's the, like one of the, the fundamental keys that a lot of people miss is even when it gets hard, when it gets really fucking shit or like there's periods where there's no success, like, uh, like just an example of like, it's really easy to kind of grasp. I'm very open about the business. I sold down my shares portfolio, my financial portfolio to start the business. Cause I was like, I didn't have, 
like a large income from my previous job. I had to make do with what I had and I was pretty scrimpy. So I was like, cool, sell that down. There was points in time where I was like, I might have to, maybe I have to get another job or maybe I have to get a, like a side job to make sure I can keep this going. That to me, those points in time, like, can I do this? Is this going to take off? Like, how do I make this work whilst being different and not selling bullshit and gimmicks? But then it was just like, it clicked in my head or it was kind of there already is how much just keeping time and looking at time and knowing that we can do this for, you know, I've, I've got to be willing to do this for five, 10, 15, 20 years. Like I'm looking at six months in and being like, oh, it's not going to work. Well, that's where everyone quits. That's where everyone stops. That six month window or that three month window or that four weeks of your, your new year's resolution or, you know, a year and a half into your new sporting career. You're going up against people that have done this for 15, 20 years yeah. and you're six months in or eight months in or 12 months in. That's the point where it gets hard, where that first internal conflict, everyone's like, nah, it might just be easier to go back with the boys on the weekend and get hit the piss. Or, yeah. you know, my mates are doing this around that old fucking Northside Brisbane glass table that everyone sits around and tells their stories on every fucking Saturday night. Like, yeah, you're right. It would be easier, but there is a reason why it's easier and why no one does it. Like there is a reason why when you can look back and say you've succeeded and you've achieved what you wanted, you didn't make that easy choice. The ones who succeeded made the harder choice, which was even when it fucking sucks, you know, these businesses are, are risky or I'm taking risk because, you know, everything is a fucking risk. You're making these choices to risk it and to invest in it and take that chance. Like all the business, businesses you've invested in, like they're all a, a unique risk where you've gone, you know, it'd be easier just to stick with the one that's succeeding and, or, you know, it'd be easier to just coach myself or just coach people one-to-one or just stick on group fitness. But you've made each one of those unique choices and gone, even though it's hard or the risk is there, I think it's worth what I'm investing and I can ride this out and I can see it through. I mean, way too many people kind of get to that first speed bump and go, nah, not for me, can't do it. Or yeah. there's too many things in the way. It's not, it's just that one hiccup where you're like, oh yeah, it's pretty hard. Yes, it will be hard. Like, that's the point. That's literally the point. Like to get to something successful and achieve something important or that you deem important, it should be hard. Why would you want it to be easy? Yeah, I think it's, it's very funny. The last year, now, I've probably slowed down a little bit now on uh, trying to grow things with business. I know mm-hmm. like just adding another shop to the whole realm of things and <laughs> sort of contrary to what I'm saying, but I think, you know, we and myself, my family, you know, they, they work for me and closely with me. And, and then the girls were very close to my work as well, where we sort of sat down and said, like, I don't need to keep growing anymore. I yep. need to like consolidate everything and mm-hmm. really enjoy what I've got and what, what's going on now. Mm-hmm. And I think it's once that happened and I sort of took a step back from growing things and just working on things better, I suppose. Mm-hmm. I, I looked into, I remember doing this and looking into cliche, like the, the famous cliche sayings. Yeah. And I remember when I, I sat down and did it over a period of time, like a month or whatever it was, and just like searching sometimes or when I listened to podcasts or heard mm-hmm. people say things, I'd, I'd sort of pause it and really think about the cliche. And I think if people did that and just sat there and just go, exactly what you said, you know, nothing think about the one where it's like nothing worth having comes easy for example if you really sat there and thought about that in different aspects of life business family friends relationship personal sport Mm -hmm. whatever it might be if you really sat there and adapted it to all those different columns which makes up your day-to-day life you'd be like yeah it just makes complete sense and then that mindset just changes slightly or you go to the one where it's like uh, i don't know any cliche saint really and you just sit there and actually think about it if we were to look at it from a positive view or everything that we get to roadblocks during our day and it's adapted a cliche saying that you hear and you think, fuck off, why are they saying this cliche saying? Like, it's so dumb, like whatever. Mm-hmm. But you actually sit there and think about it and go, you know what? Like that cliche saying is like so true. It yeah. makes 
complete sense and it's completely adaptable and relevant to my life right now, I'm going to overcome it. And if you've adapted 10 different cliches to 10 different instances, imagine how much better everyone's mindset and thought process on things would be. Yeah. How much more we could achieve? It'd be the fuck, man, it's so sick. The biggest one, the biggest one for me, one of the biggest ones for me is the the premise of it's not the destination, it's the journey. That is literally the premise of bodybuilding. Like when I look at that, it's a little, it's the premise of business. I, you know, I was so fixated when I started. I was like, you know what? I have, I can literally tell you the mind map. Um, oh, what do you call them? The the it's got like a mind map. Um, it's like the online whiteboards where you can create mind maps and shit. I mapped out how uh the matter corp as an entity exists in 10 years time i can tell you exactly the realms and entities and divisions that we will have and where it's going what we're going to do with it why i want to do it for each one because i think it's so important like you know i don't want to just have world-class coaches and systems under me i need to have community and social media so that people recognize and know it like there's no point having a treasure that no one can access right so to me it's like having this great the system of coaching and skill and ability to help people also needs to be marketed and shown off. We also want to help other businesses succeed because, you know, I don't believe in taking my success to the grave. I can't take my money with me. There is no next thing for me after I'm gone. Why not leave it here for who comes after? That's the whole point of a legacy to me. I don't become immortal. I help my, my legacy stays immortal in the work that I produce for other people. Like that to me is the premise that I leave behind. So, okay. So we need to help other businesses succeed and do it like, learn what's worked for us, make it easier for them, short change that distance, upskill the coaching industry and the fitness industry with courses and education. I can map that out over 10 years. But like you said, you know, that that, that whole outcome to me was like, this is the big picture. I'm, I'll be content when I get to that. And I was like, no, I won't. When I really sat back and thought about it, I'm like, I'll get to that because that was like a 10 year plan. I'll get to that and I'll be like, what's next? Yeah. So to me, I was like, well, rather than waiting for that to still just be not satisfied, I need to look at the satisfaction of the fact that I'm doing all these things anyway. Yeah. And then enjoy each part of it, enjoy the process of doing it, figuring out my body, figuring out my physique, overcoming my injuries to keep training. How do I tweak things or know where my limits are and push past them or not risk hurting myself or, you know, all those sort of things. How do I enjoy what I do have or where I'm going to be whilst trying to get there? It was like, and then, like you say, you know, the cliches often have a reality to them. Dr. Peterson talks about it all the time where he says, uh, you know, the research is quite clear on it. We don't elicit positive emotion when we achieve our goal. That is a short-term dopamine hit of like achievement, sure. Yeah. But the actual establishment or facilitation of neurochemical releases of positive emotions comes in the act of striving towards the goal. When you're physically working on something important or significant to you and the ratio of release of positive emotion is in relation to the scale of the goal that you think is high value or important. So the more morally or uh, nobly aimed or significant the goal is that you've set, those increments of release of positive emotions as you get towards it get high, uh, uh, higher in relation to that goal. So you know, set something fucking bigger than yourself, above yourself that you're trying to do for a collective of people. And each time you work towards it or you're striving towards those things, you're going to feel better than if you just waited till you got there to feel good. Yeah. And that when I was able to do that, I was like, oh, fuck. Like, I actually love this process. I love I love the business of it, figuring out, figuring out how to sell to people without being bullshitty, figuring out how to tweak people's coaching systems, figuring out how to, how to you know, there's this weird notion in, in the comp prep realm where all macro coaches or comp prep coaches just give macros and they fuck up their clients. I was like, we can be different. How do I improve people's livelihoods whilst improving their physique? So one of our big systems is that you need to have goals when you work with us outside of your physique. It needs to be about your personal life and your career. So when we're working in something, everything's going up together. Yeah. That sort of thing to me, I was like, okay, I, I 
I want to enjoy all these processes along the way to be different, the challenge of business, the challenge of my physique development, the challenge of my studies, so that it's not just, oh, well, I'm a doctor or a doctor of psychology or a you know, master's or PhD. It's like, that's when I'll feel good. Well, that's fucking 12 years away. I can't feel good. Like, wait to feel good then. That's a fucking 10th of my life just gone that I'm like, oh, now I'll feel good. It's that, uh, that ladder, the timely ladder, as we were saying before, having all those little mini steps and little mini yep. goals and realizing that you're not going to get here like that. So no. let's address all the little things that can get there. And then when you get there, you're going to have rebuilt on that anyway. So it's just going to continue, continue with flowing on. And I think that's part of the fun of it all. Like, that's what I, as you said, that's what I like to have. And everyone sort of says, what's next, what's next. But it's not necessarily what's next. It's always just like what's continuously happening and what's, yeah. what continuously do better. And I think learning is such a big thing. You know, I, I can't, I'm terrible at reading. So I'm, a big podcast audio sort of guy. Yeah. I can't. I just can't retain information from reading. So yeah. me to go physically study things and do tests and exams and stuff, there's no point. So I just fail everything all the time. Yeah. However, where if I know that every day I'm just building on things ever so slightly in different arrays and different areas, there's never going to be an end goal. It's going to be continuous fun and continuous sort of learning and uh, manipulating and changing to get the best outcome in whatever that might be. Yeah. And I think that's a like an important point there alone is that you know there's a weird idea that we kind of hit like the 25 30 window and that's it was well, like oh you know I'm, i've hit 30 that's kind of it the rest you know i'll work the next 40 years retire at 70 live the white picket fence and then cark it and that's it to me like the endeavor should be to always keep learning there's always something at like in life or business or career or training like it is always going to be changing or upskilling or, or evolving that You'd want to keep learning. Like there's so much going on in life, in fucking history, in business, in sciences, where shit's always like not changing, but evolving or being uh, replicated or studied or found out or theorized. Why would you hit 30 or why would you hit that kind of bracket and go, that's it. What I need to know is what I know. To me, like the whole premise should be, how can I keep either owning my mistakes or practicing ownership enough that I can look at how can I be better each day? How can I be one percent better at something whether it be relationships my business my accounting my admin my finances my fucking physique my training nutrition accountability whatever it is that i'm doing my just my job in general even if i don't like it how can i be one percent better tomorrow improve in some aspect in a way of my life that will make me better so that by the time i'm fucking 90 i'm 10 times the person i was when i was 20 yeah i think you know every man and their dog would have had some sort of involvement or understanding of LSKD. Um, and I'm, I'm quite fortunate to obviously have a pretty good relationship with them. But I think what their core value of that 1% better everyday aspect, mm -hmm. it, it's just so, it's so relatable. And I think it's something where if people were to adapt that. I remember um, Matt Fraser, obviously a massive involvement in the industry and the, the functional fitness CrossFit world. And mm -hmm. you know, he's arguably the best athlete of all time in the CrossFit sector. Um, and I remember listening to a, some stuff that he was talking about a, a year or two ago. And he said, even with me being the best ever or arguably the best ever, I can never say I was because I never won everything. And yeah. it's a test, you know, CrossFit's obviously a test of all aspects of every single array of fitness that you could possibly yeah. think of. They test in CrossFit. And because he never won every single domain, he's always thinking to himself, as you said, learning is key. Education is key. Being 1% better every single day is key. Because if you have that sort of aspect and those sort of driving forces behind you or chasing that 1% better, again, the LSKD motto and having what you're saying where education is key and having him thinking, I'm not actually the best. I can always be better because someone beat me in a different area mm -hmm. of CrossFit. If you can adapt that, man, like you're fucking, you're a machine. You're not, you never will, you will never succeed the best. So you're always looking for it. And I think yeah. if you have that aspect of life and more people were chasing that. Fuck, it'd be a sick world. It'd be so much fun. Oh, it'd be so much more fun. Like, I'd be so much more excited just to communicate with people. Like, 
I love these chats because I know when I get someone on, they're unique in their realm of whatever that realm is, whether it be business, whether it be like, you know, I've had SAS operatives in here. Uh, I've had Olympic coaches on here. Like I've had, um, who else have we had on here? Um, you know, we do a podcast with uh, like powerlifting coaches. Like there's so many different people that are unique at what they get after, but I know that they're unique in, in number. Like there's not that many people that truly want to get after it and continually better and look at like succeeding the way that they have. So you have to like get these unique chats because not everyone wants to have them or not everyone, not everyone wants to think this way. So it's not so common to talk about. So yeah. like, to me, it's fun as fuck. Cause I get to have this all the time, but imagine if everyone thought that way, or at least oh, right. to the degree of like, I want to get after it, whatever the fuck you're after it is just, I want to get after it. Oh, fuck me. That I'd have such a better time going out and talking to people. Dude, it'd be the best. I have so many people just say like, how do you do it? You know, as you said at the start of the podcast, there's heaps of businesses and stuff that I'm involved with and there's always stuff going on and massive days, all that sort of shit. You know, it's it's evident and everyone who knows me knows that. So it's not yeah. necessarily like, oh, you have big days because they know that anyway. It's more, how do you do it? And yeah. I think my constant driver is it just being, I just fucking wish there were more people that would like it. Yeah. I just wish there were more people that were out there that were willing to just go, let's just go balls to the wall. Whatever it is, yeah. let's just hit it. Let's just tackle it. Let's not be scared. Let's have some fun. Let's mm -hmm. experiment. Let's try. Let's fail. Like all those key principles. If you can adapt that to one thing, 15 things, a hundred things, whatever it might be. If that was the, the mindset of people and their, their go-to energy, right. It'd be a, it'd be a sick world. It'd be it's so the thing, It's the thing that scares me the most when you see like these like 20 year olds that do like lifestyle coaching or lifestyle mentoring from mom's basement. Like, there's literally no way to have the experience of tried and failed to know that it worked or not. And then, you know, generally like you get these people like, Oh, you know, fuck whatever their financial advice is, whatever their lifestyle advice is at like at a certain point, you just simply have to go out and be willing to try and fail. Cause when you fucking, once you try and fail, you don't need a coach to tell you that that information you just learned crosses the other realms of your life. Like when I've got, you know, if I've got an aspect of business that worked, and that was that I was showing up every day. I put a uniform on. I make sure that I'm wearing a collared shirt, the same fucking fitness shorts. And I've got like a, a pair of shoes on as soon as I'm in the office. That aspect then of consistency and discipline and accountability, I know that I can apply it somewhere else. And I know in my training, when I turn up and give myself permission to train fucking hard and my body's willing to break under the bar and shit like that, that level of intensity, I can apply to my study. Like those, those things that you find that worked, they start to cross correlate to different areas. And the ones that don't work, well, I know if I'm not disciplined, I'm not sticking to my alarm, or I'm not on time, or I'm not doing something, well, I missed my class. And also I didn't get a full session in. And also clients missed out or I was lazy. Like you go down, you start to know, okay, so that failed. So in other words, to get to that next scale of business, I need to be fucking disciplined, intense with my work ethic and make sure that I'm showing up every day and at least doing the, the my bare minimum, which I am recently finding out is a lot higher than most people's bare minimum. But at least to the point where I'm showing up every day consistently, I know that that stuff starts to tick up and it's like, well, at a certain point, you can't figure that out unless you just do it. Be willing to try that shit and figure it out. Like, can you juggle three or four things to me? And you're probably the same way. You find three or four things you like. Okay. Well, what's the fifth thing? Okay. Can I handle the fifth thing? Okay. Let's go to the sixth. Okay. I've got the six things. Can I do seven? That's a bit much, right? Let's solidify five or six things and then yeah. we'll try seven. And yeah. I like, that's my premise for how I coach. I will go 25, 30 clients. Okay. Can I do 30 clients plus preps? Yep. Okay. Can I do 35? Okay. Yep. 40 starts to get a bit much. I need another coach. All right. Let's start working on how I systemize my coaching practice to bring on another coach. Okay. So now we've got 50 or 60 clients in the system. How do I get to the next stage of that? So to me, it's that same premise, right? Like trial and error and figuring it out is the only way to fucking do it.
I think it's going back to the whole cliche thing. I think uh, the thing I said before is, you know, failure failure is succeeding. If you fail, you're succeeding. That's as simple yeah. as that. And everyone thinks, oh, that's such a dumb cliche. But bro, it's if, fucking true, right? If you just adapt it and you just look at it and go, all right, failure is succeeding. How does that make sense? Well, if I'm failing things, I have to be getting better. Yeah. So that means I'm succeeding because I'm getting better. It's as simple as that. And that's where, again, just if people just look to cliches and they go, oh, yeah, yeah. it actually makes sense. All right. Yeah. This is dumb, but apply it and shut up. <laughs> 100%. Exactly. Just go it and let's see what happens. And you know, yeah. chances are the cliches will actually get you in a better way. Mate, that's that's really the biggest tip I found. And I've given this to so many coaches that our easiest uh, coaching tip, honestly, as much as everyone claims to have it all figured out and they know all the answers and whatever, most of coaching is send it and find out. Let's yeah. fucking, like, I know the I know the research, or I, know the, I know physiology or I know nutrition, but at a certain degree, your body's going to react differently to the next person. Let's try this little bit and see if it works because I can give you all the data of why it should, but you might react differently. Okay. It didn't work. Cool. We've got to change it. But yeah. at a certain degree, we just have to fucking try and find out. 100%. 100%. So, yeah, it's, uh, I mean, I've, I've taken up a fuckload of your time. So I appreciate that. Um, oh, it's been a pleasure. I've had a heap, a heap of good fun. I'm looking forward mate. to this one coming out. <laughs> we got the fucking, well, you, you won't get much work done if we fucking catch up for a coffee. We'll just be chatting shit. Yeah, I know. We'll have, to, we'll have to make sure we keep this in a monthly roster so we can actually get some work done during the month. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Keep it fucking systemized. Exactly. Right. Um, but yeah, so so uh, new power new power sub store is opening up at Strathpine. What sort of time frame are you expecting for that? I aim in March the thirteenth, so I'm just going to get some final bits and pieces all mm-hmm. sorted. But yeah, I reckon the next two and a half weeks we should be good to go out there, which awesome. will be pretty exciting. All right, guys. Well, you heard it. So if you're uh, around the northern suburbs area. There's a preferred brand or company that you should go and visit for your supplementation. <laughs> or, you know where to buy. <clears throat> you, know, yeah, you know where to buy. And it's more of a purple than a red color. <laughs> yes, correct. That's 100% correct. <laughs> or if you're lazy and you want to go online, you can use my discount code, BenS15 at SubsHQ. Perfecto. That is also completely okay. <laughs> All right, mate. Well, uh, I'll let you go. I appreciate you stopping on and, uh, and, and having a chat. It's been great fun. And uh, no doubt we'll have several more of these in, in time to come. Mate, it's been a pleasure. I'm very much looking forward to it. And we'll, uh, we'll talk soon.